Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of One Percenters. Today we have Ding Zhang. I'm super excited to have him here today, man. You guys don't understand. This is probably the most fun I've ever had researching someone for the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. But nonetheless, man, we have the man, the legend, the MC himself, Ding Zhang, the sales rapper, man. Welcome to the podcast, man. Not closing deals can be super hey. disheartening. Sales rap that I okay. Hey, let's go, man. We do a lot on your web, Peter Parker. You got ideas, yes, I heard this now, like, yo, I gotta have him on the podcast. I gotta have him. So, how are you doing, sir? What's going on, y'all? Ding Zhang, the sales rapper, up in here. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, of course, bro. Of course, man. I saw I saw your story. I was just I had just gotten into tech sales, right? And I go on my LinkedIn and I see I see him, bro, rapping on sales about sales on different beats. I'm like, yo, why is he actually killing it? I would have never expected to see someone who, who you know, who has meshed sales and rap together like that is like insane to me. So that was like one of the first thing that popped into my mind is like, how did you, where did you get that from? Like, how did you find out that, like, you wanted to mesh those two? Which one came first? Was it sales or was it rap? Which one was that? Yeah, it was it was definitely rap. So I've been I've been doing music for about 15 years at this point. It started out when I was super oh, young. Wow. And this was back in the time, you know, MySpace, SoundClick. Uh, this is before SoundCloud, mm. right? So, so I was a young oh, wow. kid just making these remixes, putting them on YouTube. And my biggest inspiration at the time was Lil Wayne. My favorite mixtapes were like the, uh, like the uh, was a dedication, you know the the drought, right. like no ceilings. That was huge for me. Hearing Lil Wayne go over all these like radio hits beats, I'm thinking, damn, I could do the same thing. You know, go on the internet, type in you know instrumental, etc., and then I'd be on right, Windows right. Movie Maker, right, recording songs on Turtle Beach gaming headphones. Uh, at the time oh man and turtle beach <laughs> that's a throwback you feel me but but that's I, yeah. i've always been grateful for that is i started making music at a time when technology now the technology is not as democratized as it is nowadays but there was still you know you could you didn't have to go to the studio and book time and rent out the space you could just record from home and uh, upload the videos online and that was really the start of it 15 years ago Oh man, that is absolutely pretty. That is absolutely insane, man. Really young, you really got into it, and you just started. You just kind of just started making music, like right, like right, at, right away after you, you know, got inspired. By yeah, hundred percent. And, and that's that's the thing. I was maybe, man, I'm trying to think because that, that is probably like 2008, 2007. Probably first first lyrics I wrote. I probably say two, 2008, 2009 or so. Probably my first first time I made a video, and then. Mm. rest is history I, I i just kept doing it because it was it was like a a huge probably my main hobby you know i mean it still is but right. but at the time that's that's kind of spent all my time doing music nice man that's that's pretty cool so i definitely see that like music was absolutely like your main passion you know when you were growing up so when did the sales come into play did was that always part of the plan or is that just something that you know Fate just took his way, and that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just like uh, you said, kind of fate took its way. So I had continued doing music uh, from middle school into high school, and then off to college. I was still, you know, trying to pass my classes, but also make the music thing work. And uh, around the time my junior year, summer, heading into senior year, I kind of seen the writing on the wall. Hey, I'm about to graduate. Need to, uh, you know, achieve some type of financial independence, and music wasn't gonna was going to make that happen for me, right? So mm. at the time, I, uh, for my senior year job search, I actually scrubbed my entire internet presence, took down all my old songs from the past decade, oh, wow. and then like really focused on applying to jobs, you know, getting my career on track. And initially, it was not even sales. I applied mostly oh. to consulting jobs because I, I went to Boston College, all of my friends at the time, you know, they were getting jobs at EY, KPMG, uh, mm, you know, McKenzie, right. all these consulting firms, right? So, uh, yeah. but because I had spent all my time in college working on music and, and shooting videos and trying to perform, you know, my GPA wasn't where theirs were, right? So, it, and my interview right, skills right. maybe not as strong. Uh, so, I ended up not getting a single offer from a consulting 
firm. And in fact, I graduated college with one job offer, which was to go do sales for Yelp. And at the time, I thought, oh, wow. wow, okay, Yelp, I've used this app before. They're a tech company. And I was expecting like a Silicon Valley style tech kind of work environment, right? And when I started, bam, you get thrown into the boiler room, fed to the wolves. And, you know, first week was out there making cold calls. So so that was the, the pivot from Man. music to sales. Uh, it happened because music wasn't working out for me financially. Had to make that career move. And sales was the only... Uh, field or role that would accept me and that ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me wow man that's that's pretty crazy you know how you know how life kind of turns out that way sometimes you know one way you know you you kind of expect like your path to be one way but things kind of you know gradually change and shift you over to a different way for me too that was like kind of something that you know that happened like originally like my plans were to be you know maybe like an entrepreneur or things of that nature but you know life just kind of happening things get into the way and then you kind of you have to make that pivot you have to make that shift and you have to know when it's the right time to do that um but i think one thing that i think is absolutely you know amazing is that you've been able to you know kind of marry both the job that pays your bills and also like one of your passions as well and kind of combine them together so i know you're you know you're working at yelp for a while how was that experience for you how, how did how did you progress there uh at yelp? yeah yelp was yelp was a, a fantastic experience when I first started, uh, I think there's a perception at Yelp that a lot of people who start out at Yelp, you know, it is a boiler room environment, right? It's a, it's a cold call farm, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's a very sink or swim environment. And luckily for me, uh, because of the work ethic I learned doing music and, and just being rejected my entire life, right? I didn't make it as, a, as an actual rapper. So, so I was comfortable re with rejection at that point. I, I didn't have anything to lose. Uh, so I, you know, played the game, you know, in the corporate level, uh, made sure that I was building a, a good brand for myself internally at the company as a hard worker, as someone whose metrics were always on point. And because of doing that, uh, it opened up an opportunity for me uh, in which I was able to leverage something else that I had, which is a native fluency in Mandarin Chinese to leverage that, uh, in, uh, type of role transfer internally um, to become more of a sales translator versus just the, the frontline cold caller. And then through that experience, oh, okay. you know, learning a more consultative sales process um, because, it, you know, everyone says as a seller, you want to speak the language of your buyer, right? You don't want to be using all the terminology of your marketing department uh, <laughs> and, and dropping right, right. the the buzzwords and whatnot. But uh, my experience at Yelp maybe took that to a, a whole new level, right? Because I wasn't even speaking the yeah, same language to my prospects as I was speaking to my coworkers. Uh, so, so I had to really learn how to how do you personalize? How do you tailor your message to your actual prospect? Wow, nice man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I like that how you're able to you know take something that you already had and kind of elevate that to take you to the next level. And I think. Um, a lot of people can actually kind of, you know, relate to that and kind of dig deep into themselves and kind of find out what's that unique thing they have or what's that X factor that they have into themselves that can, you know, take their career into the next level. Um, because I know starting out in my like sales role, uh, it was also pretty hard for me. I had a very similar experience to where it was mainly, you know, cold calling as well. So I had to like dig deep and find out, you know, what, what's my X factor? What, what makes me stand out and what, what makes me personalized? It makes me different from other sales reps. So for me, um, unfortunately, I don't know any other languages, but that would be cool if I did. Um, actually, I do speak another language. I don't really talk about this all the time, but my girlfriend is actually Vietnamese. So I can speak some Vietnamese actually a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've used it once or twice during like my sales role actually and was able to really, uh, you know, speak to someone and they were able to relate to me otherwise you know other because it's kind of funny because i called him once right and then i, I would just speak in english and then he would just immediately hang up yep. on me and i'm just like man okay and then he came back around again i was like all right round two let's go so this time i realized what nationality was and decided to you know give it a try and he was super receptive and i was able to set a meeting like right away with him so it was super cool but really, you know, finding that X factor in yourself, digging deep, finding out what that is. It could be knowing a, uh, you know, another language. It could be your personality. It could be the way you talk. 
It could be some knowledge that you know about. Perhaps you have a, you know, a deeper level of knowledge about business and you're able to relate to different business owners in, the, in a deeper level. You know, everyone has something. So once you kind of dig deep and find out what that is, you kind of take that and you go ahead, you know, you run with it. And I think that's something you did too, uh, even to a further level, and that's with your rap. So I know you were working at Yelp for a while. Uh, things were going quite well for you after some time due to the fact that you found your X Factor, but you found a double X Factor that you could also use one of your passions to help elevate yourself in your career. So I see that you're working at Yelp, but then when did the sales come into play and where did you, when did you marry the Yeah, team? 100%. So this is a, a, both a, a sad and a happy story, right? So it, at the start of 2020, I had left Yelp for a new opportunity, uh, and this was in March... I believe of uh, 2020, and I lived in New York at the time. So, so imagine what was going on around March of 2020, right? Yeah. And so, so in, in hindsight, I picked a terrible time to start a new job, and you know, within four or five months, I was looking for a new job again, right? Uh, but, oh, wow. but you can't you can't change the past. It's, it's never worth it to dwell. Uh, but you know, had a got a great time at Yelp. Super grateful for that experience. Uh, you know, had a less positive experience at the following role. And then, uh, you know, in Q Q4 of 2020, I was, you know, back in a very un, undesirable or, or not disadvantageous job market uh, looking for a new role. So at that time, I hopped over to LinkedIn because in my mind, hey, LinkedIn is the job board. This is where, you know, it's like a virtual resume. I didn't know about LinkedIn content creation. I had no idea that there were influencers on LinkedIn that are video creators, right? right? So uh, went on LinkedIn, uploaded my resume, started applying to some jobs. And then, you know, because I started hopping on that platform every day, I started noticing, hey, there are these people like Justin Welsh and, uh, you know, Shay Robottom, all yes, these folks sir. at the... Uh, you know, that, that we're creating content on LinkedIn, right? Uh, Sarah Brazier, right? Because I, I remember uh, distinctly one of my first memories was I saw Ross, corporate bro, had a webinar that he was promoting on his Instagram page. And then Sahil Mansuri and right. Sarah Brazier were, were uh, focused on that. And then, you know, I just saw these people, they're, you know, well-known, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well known where? Right, so I hop over to LinkedIn and I see these people have tens of, tens of thousands of followers uh, and there's this game and, and immediately I knew, wait a second, I've been making YouTube videos. I've been creating content for over a decade at this point. I know a few things right. about sales or have been experienced in this field. I like this, I like this topic about B2B and, and SaaS and revenue. Let's jump in the fray. Mm -hmm. Uh, worst thing that could happen is I build a brand for myself and that helps me in my job search. I get in front of more hiring managers as a result of having a social presence in the space. Exactly. And, and that's where Sales Rap was born. That was one of the, the first things I assessed my own internal toolkit. Ding, what skills do you have? Mm -hmm. Well, I may, I've made a lot of music videos and parodies. So my first song on LinkedIn was a remix of Jack Harlow's What's Poppin'. And I called it What's Cooking." <laughs> you know, like you ever have your manager ask you, hey, yo, Ding, what you got cooking up for me today? You know, right. So I did a little parody of that. That went that went a little viral, and then that gave me the confidence to to continue creating on LinkedIn, and I've been doing that ever since. Wow, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn is like a sleeper, man. A lot of people don't realize, you know, what you can do on there. Even like myself, before I even got into like tech sales, I never touched LinkedIn, mm -hmm. bro. I was never on there. I was Instagram, and that was pretty much it. I didn't even use Facebook. Uh, but I started to get into Twitter, but as soon as I kind of got into tech sales, they were like, yeah, go ahead and optimize your, you know, LinkedIn. And I was like, my LinkedIn, and I was like, bro, I haven't touched my LinkedIn in a, in a minute. I had to go in there, and, you know, dust it off. I was like blowing smoke, <laughs> blowing the dust off the screen. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. Let's see what's going I mean, on. My man, like but yeah, I taking cobwebs out the corner. <laughs> <laughs> For real, bro. I really was, man. Well, that's where that's where I also you know came across uh, you know a lot of LinkedIn influencers. And I was like, yo, what what's going on? This is a whole different like section. Like you don't even realize this is a whole another world over here. And that's where I came across you know people like yourself. I also came across Justin Welsh as well. Funny enough, I've take I, uh, I bought his uh, course as well. That thing is super helpful, by the way. Um, yeah, LinkedIn course. But yeah, great. a lot of other. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man. Like shout out, shout out to to Morgan Ingram. You know, shout out to my guy KD. A lot of great folks uh, on uh, on LinkedIn, man. Yeah, bro. Link LinkedIn is definitely key, man. I think building that personal brand for yourself is really a um, a big factor that a lot of people don't even consider sometimes. You know, they just kind of go on there, you know, post like a profile picture, update their work, and then that's about it. And you know, they're you know, on and on, they're off. But I think really taking that time to invest in your personal branding uh, is really important. And we see that that has taken you into a whole new like stratosphere. So do you think it's important for people to go ahead and, you know, start doing that, start building up their personal branding? Maybe not per se, like they're, you know, they're rapping or, you know, maybe making like video content all yeah. the time, but at least being, you know, active on there and posting regularly. Do you think that would be beneficial for their careers in any way or yeah Laron. first of all that's a amazing question i have a two-part answer for that and i also think that's a great segue into uh more of the sales rap stuff but to answer your question should everyone post on linkedin yes and no i think yes in the sense that uh it's an objective value add and a personal career benefit to have a social media presence and a professional brand uh, especially if right. you're watching this podcast, you're likely in the B2B space. You're maybe you're in tech, maybe you're in sales. And in, in that case, a lot of the hiring that goes on in this industry is referral based, right? It's, it's recognition based. It's, it's not necessarily throw your resume into the big pile and then have it sort through the ATS, <laughs> not setting yourself up for success, right? So, but what is the way to build up the network and, and the referrals and, and et cetera, uh, around your professional brand is to leverage a platform such as LinkedIn uh, or like you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. Twitter, right? Uh, to, to build up that brand. And a lot of folks are saying, you know, the resume is an antiquated process, right? In the future, you know, we're, we're going to be judged off of our online presence, you know, and, and a lot of people, I, th I think it's, it's interesting, you know, I'm hopping on a call with you today. This is our first time really having that face-to-face -face interaction but I feel like we kind of already know each right. other because you're familiar with my content. I checked out some of your content. So I have, a, I have a good feeling for your vibe. And during the interview process, I think that's similar, right? It's because people want to work with people that they're going to enjoy working with, at least not hate working with, right? And, and having that, exactly, that peek yeah. into your personality, the type of work that you do, uh, showing proof of your expertise in public is only going to help uh, in the career regard. Now, the, the second point and my caveat is uh, mm -hmm. a lot of sellers conflate LinkedIn with social selling. Those are two separate things, right? Having a brand and a social media presence is not the same as using social media to sell for your day job. So if you are right. a SaaS vendor, let's say you sell to other B2B companies, uh, maybe you're in MarTech or sales tech uh, revenue, right? Uh, and your main ICP, right? is active on LinkedIn, that's going to be a great lead source for you, right? You're going to source a lot of pipeline from social media. Now, if you sell IoT to warehouses in the Southeast United States, and, and, you know, and your, your uh, chief of security, et cetera, those companies, they're, they might not be as active on LinkedIn, right? So, so in that case, uh, it's not a one-for-one one correlation. Just because you're on LinkedIn doesn't necessarily mean it'll bring you leads and job results at your current role, but it definitely will help you in your overall career journey. Nice. Yo, that's a really good point. I haven't even like considered the, that aspect. Like, um, you know, if the people that your company is targeting, you know, their ideal clients, if they're not on LinkedIn, maybe, you know, building a personal brand isn't really need it in that degree because they're not, they're yeah. not even I think, there. I think is, I think it's good I to do, you know, just, but, but it's, it's helpful to, to think about it. You know, you're doing this for yourself, right. And, uh, it's, and maybe that looks like you do more of that in your, your personal time. Uh, so, so your manager is not looking over you like, Hey, I noticed you didn't spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, <laughs> but you know, you're not pacing for your right. meetings quota this month. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, man. That those are really good points. I really like those, and I feel like a lot of our viewers will be able to, you know, take a lot of gems from that. But I see that you know you got started, you know, in, you know, creating content regularly and being consistent while on uh, LinkedIn. And where did that take you? Did that take you any further, or did you notice any career growth from? Yeah, that? absolutely. So uh, because of a few of my videos going viral, you know, in my 
early days on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and keep in mind, I was you know freshly unemployed, looking for uh, a job at interviews at the time. And, and what something magical happened in that I started getting inbounds for job interviews and, and roles, but at the same time, I also started getting inbounds from marketing departments saying, hey, Dean, we really liked the video that you made. It blew up on LinkedIn. Our whole team saw it and enjoyed it, wondering if we could pay you to do something similar for our company. So, th- so that formed the basis of salesrap.io, the agency, uh, where you know we're full service oh. and we, we do top of funnel content for B2B brands, uh, in-person activations. You might have seen my videos at trade shows and conferences doing the freestyling, uh, as yeah. well as highly personalized ABM campaigns. And, and that is combining the stuff that I learned uh, about selling and personalization you know, from my Yelp experience, uh, but combining that with mm. the pattern interruption and the entertainment-based selling that I learned you know, blowing up on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's actually pretty sick, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it kind of, it pretty much worked out really perfectly because how many other people you know who are you're doing this? Nobody. So you really found like a really, uh, a really good niche for yourself to be able to capitalize in and not have any like competition at all. Yeah. Now I see that you went ahead and started an agency, which for some people may be a big jump because that's really a business. So there's probably a lot of things uh, that you may have uh, needed to learn to be had to go ahead and do that. I remember I myself, maybe like a year ago, I was very interested in entrepreneurship. So I wanted to make my own agency. I wanted to make like a, a social media management agency, a SMMA uh, agency. Um, and that was like a lot, man. I had to figure out the payment processing. Yep. I had to figure out the website. I needed to figure out, I needed to get virtual assistance. I needed to figure out the onboarding process. So it's a lot. So I think it's really cool that you were able to take that step into something um, maybe unknown. Did, did you know about business like to that degree at that point, or is it something you have to kind of learn on the fly? Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I think there's a, uh, I'm giving a lot of two part answers today. <coughs> oh, we love them, man. We love them. Mm. So I will say having sales experience in the past was absolutely huge in me being able to start the agency, uh, knowing how to have a sales conversation that's buyer focused, that's focused on problem solving versus feature dumping, right? Uh, gave me a, a great foundation and to be able to close business and how to build the the business structure around that. So, um, second part of this answer is I didn't really know what I was doing either, right? Because I didn't have the entrepreneurial uh, experience background. I I was actually a history major in college, and you know I was on a pre law oh, wow. track, right? So you know I was pretty far from business, right? And, and I think that goes to show the lesson here is you don't always need to be an expert in, in anything you want to do. I think if you just start, and even to this day, there's, there's a lot of parts of my business that aren't optimized, right, that I could be better at. But uh, what I learned is if I let those fears stop me, you know, I wouldn't have done anything that I did in the past year and a half, met so many great people, uh, make so much fun content and, and try to change the the game in B2B to make it less boring, right? So so I, I think it's always worth it. Sometimes it's not going to be perfect. It might be even bad mm-hmm. at some points, but even something bad is better than not doing it at all. Man, yeah, that that's a really a true point, man. I definitely can attest to that. Um, I think that is something, a mindset shift that I had to learn recently is just kind of, you know, just putting yourself out there and just you know, just doing it. And not being so concerned about uh, getting everything perfect and trying to and trying to make everything you know a piece of art, you know. Uh, you even had a post like that was talking about that recently that you know I really agree with. You know, not trying to make everything a piece of art, but kind of just putting yourself you know out there and just getting started. Because I feel like that process of doing it is what will eventually create art because you learn from doing. Yeah. So the more you do, the better you'll get over time. And uh, I had read this book recently called the. Um, what is it called? It is called the the War of Art. Art of War, yeah, Sun Tzu. Art. It, like the the old Chinese. Uh, no, it's actually someone took it and flipped it. Oh, and, made it, and like made it the opposite way. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that yeah, out. And it's basically damn. That's good. Yeah, it's it's pretty dope. It's, that one talks about like is exactly what we're talking about. The war within yourself internally to go ahead and get started to create art for yourself, you know, to get started with your passions. Because he mentions that anytime you try to do something to like better yourself, there's always like this sense of resistance, right? 
So let's say like you want to start working out. There's always going to be like this pushback from yourself. You're going to be like, ah, I don't have the right diet yet. Like I need to have this, this perfect diet to go ahead and get started. So you're just like, you know what, man, I'm not going to start until like, until I can get that diet down pack once I figured it out. But that's really just something internally that we all go through to where we don't really want to get started yet. And we make, we make really good excuses for ourselves. The mind is the is the biggest enemy That's because right. it'll have you thinking all kind of stuff that you think logically makes sense, but really is just there to like kind of hold you back. Yeah. So once I realized that and became more aware of that, I was able to push through that and go ahead and get started with, you know, getting started with tech sales. That was something that I had some resistance with. Making this podcast, for instance, I had some resistance with. A podcast has been something I've been wanting to do for for quite some time, but I allowed that resistance to hold me down for quite some time. But once I realized that it was there, I was able to maneuver past that. So I, I think that's really cool as well. And man, I gotta say, like, your confidence levels are like to, through the roof, man. I was like doing some uh, research on your on your work and stuff, and I saw that you were at um, like a booth and stuff <laughs> like that, freestyling li- like live, man. And I don't know why, but like yesterday, well, yesterday when I was getting ready for this podcast, I was talking to my girlfriend and I was like, yo, I'm going to be on the podcast with Dean. Cause I've shown her some of your content before. And then she's like, oh, okay. And then she was like, are you going to freestyle? And I was like, freestyle. And I was like, we'll see. We'll see. So she's like, let's go ahead and practice. So I was like, okay, bruh. As soon as I threw on a beat and then she was like, just staring at me. I couldn't even say nothing. I was like starstruck, bro. I was like, uh, I, uh, what, what, what do I say? But man, I've seen you at booths. I saw you. I think I think I saw you at like a a comedy club, bro. Yeah, Laugh Factory LA, killing yes, it. Yo, my yeah, man, my I man did that. like ten out of ten research. I, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. I, I do a lot of these podcasts, <laughs> but like, yo, no no one's brought up the Laugh Factory performance yet. So kudos. <laughs> yes, sir. We already know we we the we the, we the best in yes, business, sir. man. We the best in business. But yeah, I saw that, bro, and I was like super impressed, man. People were throwing words at you, like rubber ducky and stuff. And I was like, what? And you threw that on, bro. You was able to like flip that out. Like, wow, that's absolutely amazing. So, how did you get this? How where did you get this confidence from, bro? Because me, I would have passed out on stage. How did you get that confidence? I'll, I'll tell you, man. You know, uh, everyone thinks that it's it's because I had a lot of performance experience in the past life as a musician. That's not true. I was actually never able to to get like bookings on a show just because uh like the uh the venues I, I was staying uh going to school in boston right at the time and that's not really a city that's known right. for being friendly towards hip-hop and the culture you know what i mean so so like doing right, the type right. of music i was doing uh wasn't able to get a lot of in-person shows or experience performing in front of audiences but what gave me that confidence was actually sales sales experience uh and and i always attribute freestyling specifically to me making cold calls was get what gave me the foundation to be a good freestyler. Cause think about what you have to do on a cold call is you have to embrace the fear of the unknown. You have to get over yourself and, and personalize your entertainment to whoever's listening to you. Right. And, and you got to think quickly exactly. and pivot and adapt. And, and what does freestyling entail? I think is all three of those things, right. Is, uh, so, so being adaptable in overcoming my fear of, calling someone out of the blue and interrupting their day. I always thought if I could do that shit, man, I can get in front of a, of a crowd and perform of people who, who are there and want to see me and are rooting for me versus someone who's like, Hey, I'm busy. I'm in a meeting, you know, hey, don't, don't, don't call right, me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I can definitely see like how sales has had like a big influence on you. Uh, that is something I have to get over with too. Like cold calling people out of the blue and then, figuring out how to get past like certain objections like I'm busy because everyone has like that brush off yeah. you know that brush off they're just like I'm busy I'm not interested but they're not even thinking about like what's going on it's just like some a reflex that yeah. you have to kind of get over but I come from like a, um, a customer service background I used to work at Starbucks so like customers customers king over yeah. there right so I had to really learn that like when they say I'm not interested I'm just not like okay well you know have a great day like yeah. <laughs> I actually have to like figure out ways to you know kind of get around that and introduce them into something that could be really helpful to uh for them as well uh so that that is sick man being able to have that supernatural level of confidence has definitely helped you for sure but man one one question i wanted to ask you before we you know hop off here is 
What would you rather fight, man? 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck, man? <laughs> I haven't seen you doing that content on your on your uh, LinkedIn, so I had to ask you, bro. What what are you fighting, what am I bro? Fighting? That's, that's a tough question. So let me let me give you the yeah. scientific breakdown uh, of of my <laughs> my animal theory. And and PETA, I apologize in advance. So I will always pick the one hundred duck sized horses. And the reason why really? is if you look up how much a horse weighs versus how much a duck weighs. A horse weighs a thousand pounds, one ton, right? And uh, a Duck weighs two to three pounds, so a hundred ducks True. weighs that. That would mean a hundred ducks weighs around two hundred fifty pounds, right? So, so a hundred of the of the miniature horses is only a fourth of the total mass of the big duck. And then also, let's let's break down the weapons that these respective animals have. So, okay, okay, horses they have strong legs and they can kick really hard, right? But that is because they're a thousand True. pound animal. If you take the force of a horse's kick and you shrink it, you know, by orders of magnitude down to when they're two pounds, they're probably not power enough, powerful enough to really injure you. And, and on top of that, horses mm. don't have sharp talons. They don't have teeth or anything like that that can hurt you, right? Ducks, on the other yeah, hand, you're definitely doing your research on ducks. That, are, ducks are pretty tough. <laughs> they, one, they have wings, right? So they 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 can fly a little you're bit. Right. And they have very sharp talons. You know, you see the web feet and it's cute. But if you look up close on a duck, they got claws. So now imagine that that oh, two wow. and a half pound duck gets blown up, hit with the extra large ray. And now it's a thousand pounds. So imagine how big that claw is on that duck. You, so you mean to tell me the average oh, average you know, adult male probably weighing you know, between 160 to 200 pounds. You think you're going to really take on a thousand pound duck with wings and claws? That's... So, so in my mind, mm. I stand a chance at least against the tiny horses. You know, maybe I wear steel-toed boots, right? And you know, I just I go around playing kickball, <laughs> right? And I'll be survived. That's a stamina right. game against the duck. I don't think I can outrun that, and I certainly can't beat it. What am I gonna do? Kick it? Punch it? Thousand-pound duck right there. So, so I've I've done the research, so, so you know, is... from the the animal, uh, uh, you know. What what tools they're equipped with to to do the job? I don't think I stand right. a chance against the big duck. Wait wait now wait 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 Let, let's think about this now right? So it, this is ver this is a a duck versus a horse, and I feel like those two have very different mentalities and very different ways of doing going about things. And I I believe that ducks are you know a lot more docile than a than a horse would. So do you think a duck would attack you? Or do you think it will run away despite your the, your quote unquote small size? Do you think the duck will still try to defend itself and attack? Well, I, I think in the original premise of the question, I, I think it's a you know it's like a cage match. You know, there's there's some AI, there's mm. there's some genie that that put a spell on the duck. Like it, it's going to fight. <laughs> like it, that duck wants all the smoke. You're not ducking the duck, right? Like this. I know okay. I know it's foul, but that duck wants beef. You know, with no poultry here, it wants all beef. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is just hilarious, bro. I saw this on your LinkedIn, bro. I was cracking up. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> but hey, it's always like the, you know, it's always the content that stands out that sticks in your mind, bro. And this has been like something that I think about all the time. It's just like, which one would I pick? <laughs> but ultimately, just like, I, I think I would also pick the, you know, the small ducks too. I think, I think, I mean, the, the small horses, the hundred size <laughs> duck size horses. I think that one makes more sense to me too, man. That is hilarious, man. That, that's that's great. I never thought um, <laughs> the the first time that I I made some content about that that you know it, that would turn into an interview question on a podcast for me. So I'm grateful for that. That's that's a, a new life experience for me. Too. Always, <laughs> yeah, bro. I always try to keep it fun and lighthearted, man. I always just try to have a conversation with people, but. Now, this is a question that I kind of just have personally is like, let's say you're posting consistently like on LinkedIn, because um, recently I just kind of got into the rhythm or posting regularly. I even found like a software that allows you to kind of schedule, you know, schedule the stuff that you're going to post. Like if you're posting regularly and that content isn't getting tons of traction, how do you stay motivated to, to keep posting? Because I see 
you're posting all the time, regardless of like the, you know, the traction, you're still motivated, you, yeah. you're still posting. But sometimes, man, if I put a lot of hours into something and I post it and I'm getting like five likes, you know, some people, you know, that might feel pretty sad about that. What, what's your way of coping with? Um, with yeah, for sure. There's there's a couple of strategies that I use. Uh, one I uh, is what's helped me a lot is having a strong system for consistent content production. So I do this thing called Content Tuesdays. So every single night or every single week mm. on Tuesday night, I get together with some friends and we film a bunch of videos. And then every single week that gets pushed off to my editor. And by, and, and by the next Tuesday, I have a folder full of files I can post on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, all this stuff. Uh, so by building that into my, my schedule, you know, I'm holding myself accountable, right? And, and by adding in the community, right. you know, because my, my friends are getting content out of that as well you know, out here in Austin. So uh, it doesn't require me to get up. Oh, I, I feel motivated. I got to write this post on LinkedIn. The the stuff is there, right? And, and that doesn't have to just be for video. You can easily do the same process, which I also do for text posts, where I'll sit down, I'll block out 30 minutes, maybe on Sunday night, and I'll just write three, four text posts for that week. So there's a lot of things you could do to take away from the effect of Am I feeling it in this moment? Because it's a lot easier to say, let me copy and paste or let me upload this file uh, and, and hit post versus let me sit there and think exactly. about what I'm going to talk about today. Right. So almost removing the creative from the posting itself and treating those separately has set me up for success. Uh, in terms of motivation in general, because right now LinkedIn algorithm is in a bit of a bad spot. Right. It's a. Uh, I think views are, are down across yeah, board right. for most of the creators that I know. And cer certainly on mine, I I'd say for the past month, I'm down around 43% uh, you know, in terms of overall impressions. Mm. And one thing that I've learned is in times where I'm not getting that much, I just got to give more, right? Because it's um, your content is the, isn't the only way that people can find you and connect with you on LinkedIn. Right. And, and because it's a social, but also a professional networking platform, the big value I get from LinkedIn is never the vanity metrics. It's never how many views am I getting? How many likes, comments am I getting? It's, it's all about right. what types of people am I connecting with? Right. So, for example, this month, you know, I might not have gotten as many views as I did last month, but you and I are able to connect. And here now I'm on this podcast. We're having a great conversation and making some great content. Right. And to me, that's that's way more impactful than uh you know, I got 500 likes on a, on a post on LinkedIn. So, so I always, you know, go back to, uh, to what I'm measuring, right. Are the results there as well? If they are, then I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not as concerned. Uh, but the other part is the giving, you know, if, if I know, Hey, I, maybe I won't get as many eyeballs on my content this week, I'm going to ramp up the comments I leave on other people's posts. I'm going to try harder on my comments, right. Cause, cause then people, uh, you know, first of all, everyone's ha no one's ever going to be upset that you're in their comment section, right? They're, they're gonna be like, hell yeah, I appreciate yeah, you. Exactly. Uh, but at the same time, that benefits you because if their post do does well and you're one of the top comments with a bunch of likes on it, then chances are people are going to check out what you're doing as well. True, bro. That's actually something I just learned like within the last two days because I was just posting. I was literally just posting my content. And I would reply to like people in my ecosystem, my ecosystem. If they comment on my posts, then I will respond to them. But recently, I learned the value in just commenting on other people's posts. Like, I always see people's content. I always think it's interesting. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I just comment on people's posts? And instead of just saying something like, you know, putting fire emojis or whatever, <laughs> I actually think about something to say that I think, you know, relative to the, to the content that they're making. And that has been like a, a tremendous helper as far as like me getting an increase in followers, actually. A lot of people see my comments and they come to my profile because they're curious. And I was just like, wow, that, that is absolutely like a cool way to interact with more people and get more engagement as well. And one thing I saw from one of your uh, Instagram posts that kind of goes in on this same subject is that you were saying like, you can't, you know, control the, out the outcomes, but you can control the outputs. And I really thought that was like a, a really, a, a really cool quote. And also like redefining what, what winning means to you. Like everyone has their own idea of what winning is. Maybe that could just be setting a goal to post 100 videos this week or post 100 pieces of content. And as long as you're hitting that, you know, 100 pieces of content, then 
you know, you're winning. Yes, sir. You're, you're winning in my book. So it's all about that mental reframing of uh, what that means to you. 100%, man. I, I think uh, a good example of that is recently I've been really doubling down on trying to grow my YouTube, right? And, uh, you know, my first go around with YouTube, I think I peaked at around 500 subscribers, you know, was, was putting a lot of work on that. Um, it, but really attaching like the value to how well my videos are doing, how, you know, but, but what happened is long term, I lost interest, right? And then my, you know, I'd go from uploading once a week to uploading once a month to uploading once a year, you know, and, and that's not a way to, to have the consistency you need to get the success you want. So I, right. I almost reverse engineered, right? Like did the math backwards, like, hey, what do I need this time going on YouTube to succeed? Well, I need consistency. That's more important than anything else. So, you know, going into to this year at the start of the, the year in January is when I first uh, was like, all right, I'm going to take YouTube a little more seriously. So I started, you know, producing more uh, video content for LinkedIn that I was repurposing over to YouTube, creating the systems. And then when I moved to Austin, you know, set up that in-person recording once a week uh, in, in the, the processes with the editors. Uh, so I, I was able to ramp right. my, my output from maybe posting once a month at the start of the year. Now I post a YouTube short every single day and a long-form video every single week, right? And, and the metric that I chose to define success was not how many subscribers I was getting, how many views I was getting, because that, that's not a reflection of my commitment. That's not a reflection of my consistent output. So I, I told myself, you know, Ding, you got you to gotta post 100 videos this calendar year, right? And so I just hit that the other week. And, you know, the, the, some of the content is starting to blow up, right? That's not, I didn't optimize for now these, these shorts are going get, to start getting views, but you know, the, the duck horse stuff is entertaining. They, they've been kind of blown up a little bit, uh, but me also knowing that none of that is possible if I didn't make the commitment to show up every day. So that's, I think at, at the end of the day, that's, what's most important is figuring out what are the, that outputs that you need to make to, uh, in order you know, whether or not the goal comes true or not, you know that the goal is not going to come true without those outputs. It's, it's kind of like cold calling and, and mm-hmm. set meetings or closing, closing revenue, right? Like, you know, you got to make X amount of calls to book X amount of meetings, X amount of meetings for X amount of demos, X amount of demos to uh, have X amount of contracts out, you know, to, to close a certain percentage of that. So it's, it's that same philosophy exactly. I learned from sales, but applying the content. Man, that's powerful that, you know, sales can apply to like applies to everything, man. Like, I feel like once you kind of learn like in depth one thing in life that like you kind of find a pattern in other aspects of your life as well. And one of my favorite books is um, The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. And he really talks about um, how he reached enlightenment through the way of the sword. And through that, he was able to see the patterns of of life really so anything that he did in art and poetry and in anything he was able to see those same patterns at, uh, in them and also excel in them so you can definitely take your self experience and apply that to pretty much any aspect of your life and be sure enough that you know you will excel at it but yeah man it's been it's been awesome having you on the podcast today man we learned a lot from you and learned a lot of cool aspects about like how you got started in your career into the rap and also into sales as well and how you kind of married both of them. So I definitely want to thank you for coming on to the podcast today, man. I definitely appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. And then um, I don't know if you know this, but I just turned on my oh, auto tune. So we about to we about to do uh, <laughs> have a little fun right now. I'm just fixing my EQ settings, and then um, now we got the re. Oh, that's very loud. Let's turn that down a little bit. So I want to do a live freestyle segment right here. And this could be like a clip they used to promote the, the podcast around. But what I want you to do is we're on Riverside right now. And there's a chat function. So just like we did with the, the comedy show, I want you to, to throw some words for me. And we're going to do a live. Throw some words. Oh, snap. Okay, okay. Let me think. Can I think of some good words for you? All right. It can be yeah, anything. anything. Looking for a chat? Hey, right. it can be anything. Yeah, married to the game. Like, where's the wedding ring? Yeah, J.R. Smith, I believe in anything. Yeah, let it ring on my LinkedIn. Yeah, check its ding. Let's see the chat. Where's the chat? Yeah. There's chat. I'm bringing it back. I, I never fail. Enterprise deals. I was out here just closing a whale. 
Shout out my homie Leron, we're doing a podcast talking about sales. Uh, that's the shit that I told you. Sales contest win a Toyota. Every day I be smashing my quota. I got the wisdom like Yoda. And you already know what I told you. And I might drink out of soju. I'ma feel like I'm Super Saiyan 3, 4, 5, Goku. Yeah. Hey, I'm about to come through with my rap plan. Yeah. See the bad signal, what's up in the night sky, looking like Batman. Yeah, hitting the enter. I got a fired ember. They trying to swipe ain't tender. This is the one percenters. Yeah. Sometimes my eyes red, I'm a yeah, light okay. devil. Like, life is a video game, we take it to the next level. Yeah, I've always been a rebel, based on my voice, you can hear you the treble. Oh, it's true though, throwing it down like it's judo. I'm watching anime every day on my TV, I look like Naruto. Yeah, shout out LeBron. Yeah. I'm homie, he ball like LeBron. It's me, I be dropping a song. Feel like I'm King Kong. My name Ding, but not Ding Dong. Hey, I'm singing a song. Every day I'ma lead this slaughter. 21, 21, 21 bottles of water. Yeah, I'm popping them bottles. Hey, you know me, I don't waddle. Yeah, hey, I'm a cold call, giving some live. Every day I step out with a drip. Hey, shoot from the hip. Showing all love. And we don't want war right now, looking like doves. Hey, and it gets so litty. I got my business, I'm getting litty. Shout out to Cassin, they doing kitty. Yeah. Hey, we in a committee. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna pass it out to my bro. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, that was crazy, yo. Yeah, appreciate it, man. That was fun. How you that doing fun, that, bro? That's crazy. Man, it's. it's... Listen, y'all. If y'all are on the audio only, bro, I was throwing words in the chat. And he was able, literally freestyling off the words on command. That's crazy. Bro. I can barely rhyme two words together right now, man. That's oh, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. You're too kind. Too kind. And it's like I'm on with you, Well, you guys can absolutely see the talent that he has, man. So go ahead and tell the people where they can find you at and where they can book your services, man. Because if you're if you're trying to grow, man, and you're in B2B sales or anything, really anything in marketing where you need someone who's really out there, who's really going to bring attention to your business in a positive way, definitely hit up my man. So where, where can they find Appreciate you? Appreciate it. So all of my stuff is on saleswrap.io. That's my website. That's all the portfolio and services, etc. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Connect with me, Ding Zhang. That's D-I-N-G-Z-H-E-N-G. And you can also find my music on all the main DSPs, Apple Music, Spotify. Look up the sales rapper, rapping and bootstrapping. And finally, I'll plug my YouTube at the sales rapper, doing a lot of uh, creative content around the tech space. We're, I think we're the first people to do B2B reaction videos. So hit up the YouTube, watch some of those <laughs> B2B reacts. Nice, nice, man. And I, and I know you have some new music coming up pretty soon, the sales recession, you, right? So what, what can we expect some new heat from man, you? You know what I'm about to do? I'm about to leak. I'm about to leak. Oh, now On this podcast right here, just because just I fuck Exclusive? with you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leak uh, just a quick, a little snippet of uh of a song off hey, of we got exclusive recession right recession and session let me get this anywhere else let me see where if i have the file uh there it is oh no it's not uh it's not here no worries i'll let me pull up the the doll file for it uh, oh yeah you're a, good yeah give me a second here but yeah so so the album is going to be called recession sessions i start i went into this wanting to make an album for marketers because you know, rapping and bootstrapping, that was my album for salespeople, right? I wanted to celebrate the profession of sales and all the, the folks in the community. And I wanted to do the same thing for marketers because uh, as a marketing agency, that's the folks I work with most closely. Um, but as everyone knows, this year, it's been it's been a tough year for marketers. I think uh, a lot of folks, uh, yeah. you know, you either lose your job or you lose your budget, right? So uh, that's that's something that's been happening to a lot of folks I know. So, so I wanted to, to kind of change the theme of the overall album and and you know, pay respect to all the folks that got impacted by you know some of the macro stuff that's happening in the economy. And and my my whole thing has always been about you know in my first stint as a rapper, I was making all these songs, you know, just trying to sound like industry stuff, you know, like talking about shit. I didn't, you know really wasn't really my lifestyle, right? Like I'm not you know getting whips and and, and like all this designer stuff. That's not really who I am. But I, I kind of bought into that because that's what right. you know. Some some elements of the culture, I think that stuff gets pushed. So so I was you know I was kind of yeah, exactly. caught up in in that messaging. But nowadays, like 
with the LinkedIn and, and the sales rep and finding, you know, this great community full of folks like yourself, what, what that taught me was like, I, there's a lot more topics I can talk about outside of like what's stereotypically, you know, in the music. So, so that's, that's the thing. What, what I realized, like I got a lot of feedback from the sales rap album, like, man, we never had, we heard a song about cold calling before. We never heard a song about getting ghosted by a buyer. So I want to do the same thing, you know, for, exactly. for folks that, that are maybe going through a job search right now. They're feeling down or they just got laid off. They're feeling down. I want to make sure, you know, I'm making songs about that so, so those folks can relate to it. And, um, but let me, let me play you this song. This, this song is called A Recession. And I just got I just got to show okay. you. <laughs> Exclusive, y'all. Here we go. This is hype, man. We're in a recession, oh no, slowing down progression, damn folks losing their profession, it's falling down, we're in a recession, all around, hey, numbers down, downturn, slow down, growth is down, hard to hold it down, 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 hey, feeling down, double down, down round, turn around, I know that I'm down, once it cross the threshold, ain't no going back Treat you like a number, sell you lies, hope you don't notice that What's in the compensation package, most folks not so pro at math One day unlimited PTO, next day get laid off over slack It's like we got nothing better than cost cutting measures How we have all these metrics, still forgot what's a treasure Whole lot of clowns have been following jesters This industry cold, I'ma call me a sweater And it's cardigan covert, my fossil flex. Had a floss on a low when I talk to investors Some of y'all shady like a rap label Not declaring for the draft, but you play with cap tables making it hard to act faithful can't let anything slip between my fingers this ain't cat's cradle it's mad painful hit delete and try again like a bad angle yeah let's go hey. man that was sick bro i appreciate that man hey that was absolutely fire bro i like that one man hey absolutely man damn we both we both got the crouch here sam <laughs> but yo man you guys heard it here you guys heard the exclusive definitely be sure to stay tuned link in with him on linkedin and all different social medias and stay tuned for new music on the way thank you for coming on man and this has been the episode of one percentage